Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with me, Nicholas Vesey. Well, as Heather said, we're on number six of these uh, 10 oxing pictures. Hopefully you've all got one of these little uh, booklets um, with you. If you missed any of the other uh, weeks, um, then you can just pick up a red card at the back and that'll show you exactly how to get uh, the other weeks, either as a podcast or you can watch it or however you'd, you'd like to do it. Um, the 10 ox herding pictures, just so this is, this is previously on the 10 ox herding pictures, but the 10 ox herding pictures are a series of pictures accompanied by poems uh, that are used in the Zen tradition to illustrate the stages of the spiritual development. And, and Zen, it's worth repeating, Zen aims through meditation to enable us to realize the true nature of reality. Um, but in this, this 10 weeks, we're not actually studying Zen. We're just using these 10 oxing, herding pictures uh, to look at uh, our own personal uh, journey that we're taking into um, the spiritual life. You know, it gives us an opportunity to look at where we might be at, what the pitfalls are of each stage is, uh, along the way. Uh, and they represent the stages of awakening. Uh, the pictures are done in different forms. You'll see uh, these are the forms that are done here, but there's a, another form there that you can see. Uh, and there's another set over there that you'll, you can have a look at. Uh, and they're all painted in different ways, but they've all got a very similar sort of, um, you know, the messages are the same. They're just different uh, physical interpretations. And if you open it, just to look at the first one uh, that you look there, the first one, uh, the top left one, is searching for the ox. The ox herd is lost, uh, like most of us in the world, has been led astray by the cares of the world. The desire to get on and succeed, to attain, to make his way has meant he's lost touch with his true nature. And we, like the boy, are looking for, our, for the meaning of life. The boy is looking for the ox. The ox represents the true nature. And in the boy's case, the ox... Uh, it could be God or the ground of all being, whatever you like to call it. So that was the first stage. The second stage is seeing the traces. Uh, the idea that, that we might suddenly realize that there might be such a thing as a spiritual dimension to life. We might read a passage in a book. We might just get a glimpse of something or see something that quickens us. And we see the traces and we realize that the spiritual side of life might be something that is you know, a real and available. The next, that's number, n number two, and he's looking up there and he's, he's chasing after. The next one, seeing the ox, which is the traditional experience of, of Sartori, a sort of moment of enlightenment. Um, and you catch a glimpse suddenly of, of a peak experience, whatever it is, and that thing's, wow! And you realize the reality that you've been looking at and studying at. There's a truth in that reality. But it's always important this is only number three on the way. You know, this is no time to declare that one is Jesus and teach the world exactly what one should learn. You've just got a glimpse of something that's there. And it's an encouragement. It's a trace on the way. But our, our role is to, is to go deeper into that and to live in the reality. And I describe that reality. It's like being the reality that we're aiming for. It's like being a sponge on the bottom of the ocean our true nature flowing through us. 
There's nowhere to go and nothing to get until we can reach that point of letting go to that point where we're very much on the way. Our struggle, and the next one we're, we're looking at number uh, four, which is catching the ox. Um, and that's our struggle not to be led astray. You know, we're focused on, on our true nature, but really suddenly we think, well, I, I'll just get onto the bar tonight, I think, you know, and suddenly you're taken off in a totally different direction. And the old habits that draw us back away from our spiritual life. How do, we, how do we enable ourselves to keep ourselves focused when our old habits keep on dry? Our anger might come up or desire to go shopping, whatever it is that, that we do to our coping mechanisms come up. And we have to be aware of those coping mechanisms. And there's a big change in this one because the boy is, is actually attached to the ox. There's now a link. He's no longer on his own. And last week was herding the ox. And that really is... Uh, when you're herding the ox, you're becoming aware of your mind. One thought following another, an endless train of thoughts. And we have to begin to realize that those train of thoughts just keep on going all the time. And not to be distracted by them, just to see that they are just a part of living. That our thoughts are just as much a part, we don't have to resist them. They're a part of our true nature as much as anything else. And it's getting used to the fact that we watch our minds so that we can live our lives in the calm of our eternal nature. And this week is coming home on the ox's back. And I'm just going to read the little bit of poetry that's there. The struggle is over. Gain and loss the man is no more concerned with. He hums a rustic tune of the woodman. He sings simple songs of the village boy. Saddling himself on the ox's back, his eyes are fixed on things not of this earth, earthly. Even if he's called, he does not turn his head. However enticed, he will no more be kept back. Riding on the animal, he leisurely wends his way home, Enveloped in the evening mist, how tunefully the flute vanishes away. Singing a ditty, beating time, his heart is filled with indescribable joy. That he is now one of those who know, need it be told. So there's a freedom in this. And, you know, being a good Church of England minister, I... I I just vaguely remember a Bible verse that related to this, something about the spirit and law and things like this. And I thought, I was in my practice, and I thought, well, I've got to find that Bible verse. And it's always difficult because you never get the right verse. You try and search the Bible, you can never find it. So it's always a bit of a schlep uh, to, to actually just find a particular Bible verse you're looking for, even if it's a bit obscure. And so I was, I was in my practice, and I was thinking, well, when I finish, I'll get up, and I'll, 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 I'll go to my, you know, my Bible and, or my computer and search and look it up. And as part, it's a true story, this, as part of my practice, I read a little bit of the Old Testament and a little bit of the New Testament every week. So uh, every day, and I just sort of gradually go through. It's amazing how many how much you can get through if you do that. Just, it's literally a little gobbit. 
uh, but that much, you know. And I've done that for the last 30 years or something. And so far, I've read the Old Testament three times, it's longer, and the New Testament seven. I'm coming up to my seventh time. So you just gradually go through it. So I turn to my New Testament passage, and would you believe it, the verse I was looking for was the very next verse. The very next bit was within the passage that I was looking. And, that, and I'll give you what, tell you what the verse is. It's a good old passage from Galatians. It says, For the flesh desires to be contrary to the spirit, and the spirit is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that... You do not know what you do, whatever you are. He's obviously not heard the, uh, the, the story of the two birds in the tree, and the, the, the one and two are the same. But anyway, that was the bit. And he says, but if you are led by the Spirit, this is the key verse, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. If you are led by the Spirit, you're not under law. And there's that whole idea, if you're led by the Spirit, there's... The freedom of doing whatever you like. Do what thou wilt. That idea of total freedom if you're under the Spirit. Now, I didn't really ascribe any particular meaning in finding that Bible verse in the very next passage I was looking for. But it did definitely make me feel on the right track because it, it was just there. And, and that's part of that experience of being on the path in this way. It's a freedom. In riding home on the back of the ox, the work has been done. And it's like we're living in the spirit, in our true nature. We're living in it rather than struggling with it. And that passage in Galatians means that when you're living in the spirit, you don't have to be concerned with what's right and wrong. Because you're living in the spirit. And by living in the Spirit, we're always living in, you know, living into, and we're living by the goodness that's at the centre of the world. And it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Law doesn't matter if you're living in the Spirit. You say, oh, I can go and do whatever I like. But the fact of the matter is that you can. But you wouldn't want to do those things that are contrary to the Spirit because you're living in the Spirit. You're not living in the, the whole worldly side. You've chosen the order Inherent in the ground of being, inherent in the universal mind, you've chosen that order rather than be in the chaos of the world. That you're living in the universal mind rather than in the survival instincts of the rational mind. Right and wrong are no longer an issue in this place. As it says in that little poem, the struggle is over. Gain and loss, the man is no more concerned with. He's in the heavens rather than in the world. In the poem, his eyes are fixed at things not of the earth. And this is, this is not living in cloud cuckoo land. It's not living in cloud cuckoo land. It's living in a state where we're carried along by the joy of life. And that joy continues whether or not the circumstances are favourable or unfavourable. That contentment con continues whether or not the circumstances are favourable or unfavourable. 
whether or not one is feeling what might my think of what one might think of as good or bad it no longer pertains good or bad are in this state no longer relevant and what is relevant is the contentment in what is the contentment in what is going on whatever it is the scenery the movement of life or the ox rain or shine snow all is one because the boy is just living for what is rather than having some agenda and the result of that is enveloped in the evening mist how tunefully the flute vanishes away singing a ditty beating time his heart is filled with an indescribable joy it is not the joy derived from things going our way not the joy of good rather than bad but the joy of the eternal now in which he is inhabiting through being at one with his true nature the ox now this is pretty foreign to our, us hard bitten types trying to keep a roof over our head or put our kids through college you know we're more used to the shoots and ladders of everyday life in England we call it snakes and ladders but I don't think you do it here do you you know you have, so they call it shoots and ladders here rather than snakes and ladders apparently because children get upset about snakes in America <laughs> and so they change it to shoots and ladders so not the shoots and ladders of everyday life taking the joy in getting to the top of our ladders and feeling down as we find ourselves falling down the chute that is exactly what this training is designed to combat the spiritual life is one that forsakes the normal ups and downs of everyday life and replaces it with a deep focus on the eternal nature the eternal nature of all things from which comes a deeper joy that pervades everything Now you may think I've got a guru story for every single one of these uh, things and I probably have got one but there's a good good guru story for this particular stage. Uh, the guru is meditating in his hut and suddenly bandits attack the village and they come in and they with their knives and they're slaughtering everybody and you know chaos reigns and finally the head you know bandit rips back the guru's tent door and there is the guru in meditation he hasn't moved and the bandit takes his sword and aims it at the guru and the guru's eyes open and he says the bandit says aren't you afraid don't you realize that with a blink of an eye i could cut off your head and the guru replies don't you realize that with the blink of an eye i could have you cut off my head <laughs> he is just going with the flow even if he's called he will not turn his head however enticed he will no more be kept back he takes responsibility for what is with no fear only the knowledge of as it says in Romans 9 one of my favorite bible verses all things count for good to those that love the lord 
all things count for good to those that love the Lord. And that really means, you know, if you are seeking this spiritual dimension, if you are in that spiritual dimension, the kingdom of heaven, whatever it is, all things that happen to you will take you on the journey. They are all a part of it. All things will count for good to those that love the Lord. And it's reiterated by St. Augustine of Hippo in his sermon on love. And he says, and this goes back to that that old thing of freedom under the law. St. Augustine says, love, he says, and do what you wilt. Love and do whatever you like. There is a complete freedom in this stage of the journey. Because your, your priority is not coming from your mind. It is coming from the way that you're led by your true nature, the ox. I felt that freedom, actually, when I read that passage the next time. I went, wow, this is what I'm looking for. It was just there. And all of us get glimpses of it at times in our lives. The Zen master... Yeyata was asked, how are we to be liberated? How are we to be liberated? And the Zen master replied, I do not seek the way, and yet I am not confused. I do not venerate the Buddhas, yet I am not conceited. I do not meditate for long periods of time, yet I am not lazy. I do not restrict myself to just one meal a day, yet I am not attached to food. I do not know what is enough, yet I am not covetous. When the mind seeks nothing, this is called the way. That is the dance that it's this stage of the journey living fully in the present and attached to nothing. Christian Dillow, the Zen master who's coming here next March to the chapel, said, when this happens, we don't even cling to the notion of enlightenment. And this open attunement, this moment-to-moment unfolding complexity of each situation, the moment-to-moment unfolding complexity of each situation continues endlessly. What Zen master Dojin calls no trace is a form of expression that isn't bound by any idea, not even the idea of enlightenment. There is no end to it. There is no arrival. Just an indeterminate, unpredictable unfolding from situation to situation. What was the river quote again that you, you read? Um, I love to live like a river flows. I love to live like a river flows. Surprised by something of its own unfolding. Surprised by something of his own unfolding. An unpredictable situation. Dillo goes on. Here we have a notion of enlightenment as confident, a notion of enlightenment as confidence in the process of unfolding rather than the attainment of a particular experience or state of mind. To think of enlightenment as attainment is to turn it into a representation. 
It's consumerism in spirituality to think of enlightenment as something to attain. To think of it as confidence or trust is to cultivate readiness for action, for carrying forward. And that is the dance. Zen ma- I've got lots of Zen masters this week. Zen master Suzuki describes wisdom wisdom as the readiness of the mind. The readiness of the mind. And here we have a mind that is ready. The boy is dancing in time here. In fact, he's on the ox. He's dancing on time. And that lightness of touch is what this stage enables. We feel it when, as athletes or, or artists, we're in the zone, ready in a way that we can act before we even think about it. And everything seems to conspire to live in that place where the readiness is all. Anyone know where the readiness is all comes from? It's what Shakespeare has Hamlet say. If it be now, if it be now, tis not to come. If it be not to come, it will be now. If it be not now, yet it will come. For the readiness is all. Hamlet. It's life as a dance, a dance with the circumstances that come our way, blowing the notes that appear in front of us for the joy that they give us to blow those notes, moving as we're led, moving as we're led and leading as we're moved, moving as we're led and leading as we're moved. The boy himself is the flute, And the spirit is blowing through him. His life has become the rustic tune of the woodman, the simple songs of the village boy. We spend most of our lives trying to, most of the time we spend our lives trying to bend the universe to our will. To try to get things to happen that we think will be favourable to us. When all the time the answer is to let the universe bend us to its will. To become the instrument of the universe as it plays its tune to lead the world home. The universe is leading the world home like some cosmic Pied Piper. The universe is leading the world home like some cosmic Pied Piper. This is the state of living in the moment and for the moment rather than trying to plan some optimal way. And you know, it points, just so you know, we're in the chapel and I'm a minister of Church of England, it points to the Christian idea of incarnation. Incarnate, in flesh, that's where the word comes from. The spirit at this stage is embodied in flesh which is how Christians see Jesus as the incarnation, the spirit made flesh. We become what we have practiced. 
There is no law, only grace. We are led and guided, surfing on the ox, on our true nature. It is not I that lives, but Christ in me. As Meister Eckhart said, willing nothing, wanting for nothing, and knowing nothing. With no mind, the no mind of the boy and the no mind of the ox are made one. And then the boy becomes the incarnation of the spirit. Uh, And this is heaven on earth. And yet, there is also something else that's happening here in this picture. The boy is said to be coming home on the ox's back. Having gone through all the trials of finding and taming the ox, the boy just doesn't go off into the mountains to Aspen for his own pleasure. The boy is coming home. It's a bit like Jesus' journey to Jerusalem at the end of the Gospels. Having done the work, the boy now travels home so that he can share his work with others. His focus is on his original vow. If you remember back to his original vow, the original vow is you must affirm the vow. This is the Buddhist original vow. It doesn't happen in the Bible, but you must affirm the the vow never to give up until you've become a Buddha and brought peace to the world. He is on his way to becoming a Buddha and he has not forgotten that he is also to bring peace to the world which is why the Buddha came back into the world after his enlightenment and why Jesus made his way to Jerusalem. Both had more work to do. Zen master Banke Zenji says, when you become master of the world, the entire world becomes your home. When you become master of the world, the entire world becomes your home. And so the boy is traveling home to his world in a carefree way, knowing that the ox and the path will lead him where he needs to go. He's not leading the ox. The ox is leading him home. Almost, almost as if this was the plan all the time. The ox has always been leading the boy The universe teases us and encourages us to go forward, to go further in our practice with things like that verse suddenly appearing. We're teased by the universe to go forward. We're all gradually being brought home, seduced by the universe. And as such, we give up and allow ourselves to be played by the universe. And our lives become the music and the art that the universe creates. Through playing the tune through us, the universe is leading all the world home. We become the tune that others follow. And thus, the Pied Piper leads the children and we fulfill that last part of the vow to bring peace to the world. This is when we experience what's called the peace that passes all understanding. Thanks for listening. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you. And if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, 
subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.